0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. There has been a lot of questioning. A lot of questioning about whether or not to wear masks. Um, People are, when we look at the numbers and what we're told, people are not exactly lining up for vaccinations and for boosters. Has the message started to wane Um, There's also the uh, respiratory virus issue and its impact on particularly children. I want to talk about that. And the annual flu and its impact this year, and I understand, and I saw this on a uh, tweet from our guest this morning, that measles is spreading globally. And uh, it's the canary in the coal mine, says our guest, Dr. Isaac Bogosh, Infectious Diseases Specialist, Toronto General Hospital, Associate Professor of Medicine at the University of Toronto. Dr. Bogosh, good to have you back with us. I always have to ask a doctor this. How are you?
1: I'm well, Roy. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing just fine. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying saying I'm taking the rest of the year off. Somehow that sounds kind of imperiously grand. instead of two weeks. Anyhow, thank you for joining us. What kind of years have been for you as an infectious diseases specialist with COVID swirling still out there and all of these other issues arriving, like the kids' uh, crisis and, and the flu and questions about whether or not people want to be vaccinated or boosted? What kind of years have been for you?
1: Well, there's never a dull moment. I mean, we started off the year with a massive, massive Omicron wave. That was our first Omicron wave, and we saw the hospitals were full to the brim with that. And it's incredible, incredible to think that it was a year ago. We had, uh, yeah, like you said, issues with uh, vaccine uptake and vaccine rollout. We have a pediatric uh, hospital emergency on our hands. We've had a, uh, you know, massive influenza and respiratory syncytial virus here. We've had a, mo- a monkeypox outbreak. Yeah, it's been busy, Roy. I hope. Uh, Hope next year's a little bit better than
0: this one. Yeah, and thank you for what you do. Sometimes because you make yourself so available to us, we forget that you're a frontline physician and your primary responsibility is to your patients. So thank you so much for for the time. Now, when it comes to um, COVID, I've asked this question several times over the last couple of months. With the different mutations that we've become familiar with, where are we, and I mean that in the greater we, where are we as far as understanding what this virus is now, what it's morphed into, and what these newest mutations of the virus, in fact, uh, pose as, as far as a threat is concerned. Are we up to date on this thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, we are. I think we know a ton about this virus. Obviously, there's always going to be some unanswered questions, but we know a lot. I mean, it's coming up three years, and this has probably been one of the most studied viruses uh, in humankind, if you look at the number of peer-reviewed articles on this versus other infections. Um, listen, we're we're in the Omicron era, and yeah, we hear about new variants emerging. They're all really still under the Omicron umbrella. And yeah, of course, we've known that this can chip away at some of the protective immunity that we had, but the, the vaccines still stand up against more severe illness like hospitalization and death. So, you know, if, if we're still in the Omicron era, we're I don't want to say we're doing okay, but we're doing a lot better than we were, for example, in 2020 and in 2021. We've had several waves uh, in the Omicron era, and none of them has been nearly as nasty as the first Omicron wave that we had a year ago. The real take-home point here is that if people are up to date on their vaccines, especially people who are over the age of 60 who are much more prone to more severe illness, we'll be doing okay.
0: So I'd like you to speak uh, to the people who are not so keen on the idea of vaccines or boosters, and that includes people who've been vaccinated and who have had boosters and maybe now are saying enough is enough, no mas. And I'd like to do it from this perspective. Um, China, just a couple of weeks ago, after intense public pressure, which their government is not used to, backed off from their zero COVID policy. Um, we, we also have in this country, and I mentioned this a minute ago, but let me just repeat, we have a reported lower number of COVID boosters being administered and, um, people in Canada just are not really tell me if I'm right or wrong. I don't get the sense they're responding the way they did. So what, what do you say to people who are saying no mas have had enough?
1: listen, I think we respect people's decisions here. Uh, but I think as people should be making informed decisions. Let's also look at what the guidance is. The national, um, uh, the, NASI, the, the we have a, it's basically our, our, our national vaccine uh, expert group uh, that makes recommendations for vaccine use. It's pretty clear. They said, if you're over the age of 65, I say 60 because I live in Ontario and that's the recommendation in Ontario. But if you're, NASSI says, if you're over the age of 65, you, here's the wording, should get a booster vaccine. You should. And, you know, wait about six months after your most recent infection or your most recent uh, vaccine. That's what they say over the age of 65. If you, and if you have underlying health conditions that put you at greater risk for a severe infection. If you're not in that age group, meaning you're under the age of 65 or you don't have the, and you don't have those underlying medical conditions, you may get a vaccine. Um, and and that that's a big difference uh, uh, so you know these boosters are are, are helpful uh, but really I think the key message here is uh, many people have received dose one and dose two, and many people have had an infection and recovered from infection and they do have some degree of protection but there are people that greater risk for severe infection. Listen, I work in the hospital, as you pointed out earlier, 90% of my time is seeing patients in the hospital. Who gets sick from COVID and who do we see in hospital? It's almost exclusively people over the age of 60. Almost exclusively. Not entirely that, but that's almost exclusively who it is with a significant proportion of people over the age of 80. Those are people who are more vulnerable to severe COVID. Those are people who should really be getting their booster vaccine.
0: Um let me go to the other side of the demographic scale and the kids in this country, and the stresses that children's hospitals are under. and you know I've done some programming on this, and so you and I talked about it a few weeks ago. And um, children who normally are considered to be, and normally they are, more far more resilient than those of us who are beyond that, uh, beyond that demographic, I'm trying to, in a nice way, not say old. <laughs> I'm not doing well at it. Uh, so when we look at the kids in the hospital environment, what what are you seeing with with kids? And here's another point. It's been suggested, and I've I don't often have to, I don't always have to read between the lines to hear this point. If you don't get vaccinated, then you're bearing irresponsible toward the kids of the country. I don't know how well that message sells either, but when you talk to us about the kids and what you're seeing from children, what they're suffering.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the children's hospitals and the children's healthcare system right now, it's overwhelmingly influenza that's driving children's hospitalizations. This is not new. This, we've known that flu disproportionately impacts the oldest and the youngest and people with underlying medical conditions. And this year, to no one's surprise, Influenza is impacting the oldest and the youngest and those with underlying medical conditions. The rate of hospitalization for influenza in Canada is highest among the age zero to five cohort, which is a close tie with the 65 and up cohort. And again, this is not new or exciting to anyone that works in hospitals. We know that the flu can very, very negatively impact kids. And older adults, and that's exactly what it's doing. What's new this year is that the flu season started earlier than it normally does and that it came out of the gate way faster than it normally does. And the actual number of kids in hospital with flu is higher than it normally is right now. But wait, there's more, right? I appreciate many people listening to this might be a little hesitant or have questions about vaccines or might say, oh, I never get a flu vaccine listen, these flu vaccines have been around for forever. They're safe, they're effective, nothing's perfect, but they reduce your risk of getting the flu. And if you look at the vaccine uptake, first of all, they're available for kids six months of age and older. If you look at the uptake of these vaccines in kids, it's it's well south of 20%. Um, and I can look you in the eye and tell you with a straight face that, an unvaccinated cohort is going to be overwhelmingly represented in hospital versus a vaccinated cohort. That's just how it goes. So flu shots are safe and effective. Flu shots are widely available. Flu shots are there for people six months of age and older. We're having a doozy of a flu season this year. Our healthcare system is stretched, especially in the pediatric realm. Uh, It does everyone a good deed if you go out and get your flu shot, because you'll reduce your risk of getting it, you'll reduce your risk of transmitting it, and you'll be doing something good for yourself and for those around you.
0: Before we get on to the other things, we have to fit everything into five minutes, Dr. Bogosh. I'm seeing the texts, I'm seeing the emails. Ask Dr. Bogosh to speak to the adverse effects some people, other people say many people, are experiencing after being vaccinated against COVID. What's... What's the truth of this?
1: In, listen, there's massive studies. There's been 13 billion, yes, 13 billion COVID-19 vaccines administered. This is extraordinarily well studied all over the world with uh, multiple data sets in multiple countries. It just shows that these vaccines truly are safe and effective. If you want to drill down further, yeah, the biggest risk is a sore arm. Uh, and there are, like every other vaccine, very rare complications that can happen. I think one thing that really obviously needs discussion is the risk of inflammation of the heart. That's myocarditis. That seems to be more common in younger males. The rate, again, you'll see various ranges of this still seems to be rare. Uh, and you can reduce that rate by uh, separating the vaccine doses apart uh, by in, in time, like we've been doing in Canada
0: all right you on your Twitter account today described measles as the canary in the coal mine and that canary is tweeting in different parts of the world and really noisily from what I understand what's going on
1: okay measles outbreaks are very obvious right lots of kids get measles in a short period of time it's visible and, and in some parts of the world, uh, in fact, in most parts of the world, it can be severe. Kids die. There were 700 kids that died in Zimbabwe uh, in September uh, from measles. This is horrendous and completely preventable. But measles is the canary in the coal mine. We know so many of the public health measures were disrupted over the last couple of years. You can see measles, but we have to also think about HIV programs, tuberculosis programs, cancer screening programs, and we all have to really... Uh, buckle down and double down on those efforts to make sure people get caught up on the routine vaccines and the routine cancer screening so we can avoid any pitfalls here in Canada. People say, oh, this happens over, quote-unquote, over there, not over here. Uh, It happens over here, too. There's a big measles outbreak in Ohio right now, 79 kids. There's been about 30 hospitalizations for measles, 30, in, in, in the United States, in Ohio, and this is totally preventable. And almost all of those kids that were infected, uh, were either unvaccinated or hadn't received the full course of the vaccine. Totally preventable. So let's get up to date on our routine vaccines. Let's get our screening tests up to up to date. And we'll be doing okay.
0: Okay. So now let's let me ask you a question. As we bridge to twenty twenty three, the healthcare system of this country is in crisis. We know. Uh, I've talked spoken recently to the current and the past president of the Canadian Medical Association. We've talked to premiers. We've talked to just about everybody about healthcare. So if you want health care, if you need health care, if you need to be diagnosed with potentially cancer or cardiac disease, it's difficult to get the work done because of the backlogs. What should we be preparing ourselves for in 2023 as far as health care delivery in Canada is concerned?
1: It's not going to get better anytime soon, unfortunately. I think we're putting little Band-Aids on an axe wound at this point in time. And we really need to double our efforts down on medium and long-term solutions. That's staff retention, that's training new staff, that's building new infrastructure, uh, and, and really getting up to snuff so that we can really ensure that we can provide care for our population now and for the years ahead.
0: So what I gather is doctors haven't been listened to enough and politicians have been too busy talking. What do you think?
1: Not a fair question. Yeah, I mean, doctors have been sounding this alarm for years. This predates COVID, right? Every winter, we hear about hallway medicine and the healthcare system yep. jammed up. COVID, of course, put uh, exposed additional pressures and, and and significant gaps. And now you had uh, tons of attrition from healthcare because people are just fed up working in this uh, in the system. So we did, we you know listen there are steps being taken you do see development of new hospitals you see new medical schools being built you see the recruitment of nurses and training of new nurses like these are decent medium and longer term solutions they definitely take time but we re- we really need to improve our capacity you know beds per capita uh, public health spending as well for preventative care and preventative medicine so we avoid hospitalization like Every single aspect of our health care system, both at the public health level, and I include that under the health umbrella, at the outpatient level, family medicine, at the hospital level, every single aspect of our health care system needs a lot of care, okay. and a lot of support.
0: If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites.